We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I am joined tonight on the latest installment of Mavs Step Back Live uh, by John Macri. He is over at uh, Nick's Film School. Uh, we're both part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And... Uh, John, uh, we mentioned it before we got cut off earlier, but the whole Mavs Jalen Brunson thing—it's it, uh, the rumors have been swirling for a couple of weeks now. You know, there's a there's a real connection with Brunson and the Knicks. Uh, but I mean, is, is the interest, at least from your perspective, you know, you you cover the Knicks, you're around. Uh, all the the local reporting and everything is it is it as strong as what we've heard on Arian? Like, do the Knicks do the Knicks really want Brunson that bad? In your opinion, um, I'll say. Well, let's start here. Um, I think any NBA team, regardless of of what their roster composition looks like, um, would be if they had a chance to to get a guy like Jalen Brunson would be crazy to not want a guy like Jalen Brunson. He is, um, you know, uh, I, I, is he a like top flight starting point guard? Is he a guy who would, in, in a perfect world is your six man? Is he a guy who's like a starter, but he, you know, kind of needs to be alongside another primary, obviously, which he, he has a, a great situation there in Dallas right now next to Luca. Like, I think some of those questions are maybe, a little bit up in the air. Like I was talking to Mike Bassick, um, who, who weeks ago, and he said he, he had Jalen Brunson as one of his top 15 point guards in the NBA. And I, you know, I, I, t- I said, you know what? That might not be crazy. Um, he's that good. As far as like the Knicks specific interest, here's the thing about the Knicks, um, especially this regime since uh, Leon Rose took over and, you know, World Wide West and they kind of brought in some new people. They really don't talk a lot. Uh, I mean, literally, they, they don't ever talk to the media, but they don't – like, not a lot gets out about what their true intentions are. Um, that said, 
Uh, I am going to lean on someone who has been doing this far longer and is far better at it than I am. And that's Ian Bagley. He's our local beat guy here for SNY, uh, formerly of, of ESPN. Um, when Ian reports something, you can pretty much take it to the bank. And uh, he's reported uh, that the Knicks and Mavs had conversations about Brunson over the summer. Uh, he's reported more recently that the Knicks are interested in Brunson. Um, some other beat guys around New York have reported that interest. I mean, I think it's a little bit too easy to say, all right, Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau, you know, uh, Jalen Brunson's dad, all the connections there between both of those men. And then obviously Leon represented uh, Jalen as, as his first agent. Like all of those connections are there. That by itself, I don't think means anything. Like I'll, I'll just give you a very quick example there was a kid coming out of the draft this year, Isaiah Jackson, right? Came in out of Kentucky, was maybe going to be available where the Knicks were picking or around where the Knicks were picking, um, you know, represented by CIA, obviously former former place where Leon Rose used to head off basketball there. Like, he was never really on their radar. He's not the guy that they, that they wanted. So it's not like you could draw the – like, connect the dots and, like, boom, that's it. The Knicks are going to want a guy. But I think – when you factor in their need for someone at that position um, and the fact that, you know, if they are going to stick with Tom Thibodeau, which there's no indication that they are, and I think he's here for the long term, he just seems like kind of a Thibodeau kind of guy. He seems like a Thibodeau point guard. He's so versatile. He's so tough. Um, so for all of those reasons, yes, I think the interest is limited or, or, or legitimate. All that being said, I would be very surprised if, they did what it took to make a move for him at the deadline. Yeah, and I, I think the key, I think the key part of that report from uh, Begley you were talking about is the if they talked to the Mavs, it was during the off season, and Jalen yes. Brunson has definitely taken taken a huge step forward this season for the Mavs. Uh, he was incredible uh, when Luca went out with that ankle injury for. I think I believe it was 10 straight games and he was so good that when Luca came back he's been in the starting lineup ever since and the Mavs have pretty much taken off save for a few a few losses here and there uh, here lately but uh, that's the thing I, I don't I don't know that the Mavs have you know actually been shopping Jalen Brunson here lately I think I think it's a lot of old reports coming up and like you said they uh, you know, there's all the natural connections there that make people want to speculate on it. But uh, what I was saying in our, our first take of this, where my connection was horrible, and I don't know if you heard any of it, but I, I did not. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was talking with Mark Cuban briefly earlier today, and he said he told me that the Mavs are going to do everything they can within their power to try and keep Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith uh, long term, not just past this trade deadline, but like to re-sign them this summer. So uh, th- they want to keep both guys, and they and he said that they would do anything within their power to do it. So to me, what that indicates is that you know to for them to do that based on the projections for what Brunson and Finney Smith can make this off season, they're going to have to offload some other salary. You know they're they're going to have to offload Tim Hardaway Jr., who just signed a a four year seventy four million deal in the off season. They're going to have to likely do something with Dwight Powell, who's got one more year after this one on his contract, making eleven million dollars, I believe. 
perhaps Kristaps Porzingis. There's really not much you can do with Porzingis because uh, I don't think anybody's just clamoring to take on his $30 million a year contract for the next two years after this one. But, uh, you know, I, that's what that indicated to me. You know, Jalen Brunson, he has elevated himself to arguably being the Mavs' second-best player, and the Mavs are approaching their immediate and long-term future uh, with that in mind. Now, that's not to say that if, if something just comes along and, uh, you know, they just get their doors blown off with a trade offer for a, a true secondary star, then that derails all of that. But as of right now, the plan is is definitely to keep uh, Brunson and also Finney Smith, who has been a, a key contributor and arguably the, the Mavs anchor on the much, much improved defense this year. So I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to doubt that if the, if the Knicks find a way, you know, if they find a way to offer Brunson a lot of money and I don't, I, I, you, you can help me with this. I don't think the Knicks have a lot of cap space this summer unless they create it. Uh, but I could see them offering Brunson a good bit of money uh, if they think there's any chance of, of getting him to come to New York. But in, in all reality, the Mavs can offer the most money. Uh, they're, they're in a winning situation now. Brunson is comfortable where he's at. He has the bigger role now, too. So I think, uh, I think all the Mavs, Knicks, Brunson talk has, uh, has kind of we, – we've, we've gotten past the heat of it. I think it's mostly in the past now. I mean, you know, I think it's an interesting situation on a number of fronts. I mean, first of all, my my own suspicion, and I've said this on my podcast several times, and I'll say it again here, is that I don't I don't think. I mean, let me rephrase that. I can't remember the last time a team had a star. The 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 nature or the, the, the caliber of Luka Doncic that actively made itself worse in a season in which they could even remotely credibly talk themselves into, hey, if a few things break right, we can we can maybe do some damage this year. The the closest thing I could come to that is when LeBron uh, was with the Cavs and they had an opportunity to trade, obviously, the the um, the Nets pick and um, wh- whatever assets they had on hand to try to bring something in for, you know, the, his what, what everybody, I think, acknowledged at the time was going to be his final run. I thought that, I you know, I think at that that was such a unique situation, you know, and, and, you know, obviously that pick ended up being Colin Sexton and, like, who knows what he's going to be. Neither here nor there. The point is, like, teams don't do this in the NBA. If you have a star in their prime, like a Luka Doncic, who is a top five, top seven, whatever player he is, you're not going to make yourself weaker in the season, To you know, regardless of what concerns you have moving forward, especially, by the way, if you're Mark Cuban and you're not about to, like, exit the trade deadline with your tail between your legs – um, saying, um, you know, this was a move we had to move, make for the future of this this franchise. Like, you, that's just not going to happen. All that being said, um, I still thought it was an interesting situation to monitor because while I, I, I don't think 
for I, I don't think it's realistic that the Knicks would send um, the Mavs enough before this trade line to allow the Mavs to talk themselves into the fact that, hey, we could come out of this a better team even if we give up Brunson. I don't think that that, that possibility is completely outside of, of the realm, you know, which is to say, like, you know, could you talk yourself into a version of the Mavs being better with, um, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Derek Rose? I'm just throwing two names out there. Um, but without Jalen Brunson and, you know, pick a salary, I, you know, uh, Dwight Powell, Reggie Bullock, whoever, whoever, whatever, whatever salaries get done, you know. So that's why I thought it was at least a conversation worth having. The second thing I'll say, and I'll try to be quicker with this, is this summer – you are you're dead you're you're correct in saying that the Knicks don't have the cap space to sign Jalen Brunson right now. The Knicks have been making um uh moves since the offseason to indicate that they plan on being an above the ta- above the cap team going forward. And my, my colleague Jeremy Cohen has spoken a lot about this. That said, they do have the ability because all of the contracts they signed, with the exception of Fournier and Randall, um are sort are short term contracts. They can pivot. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to pivot before the trade deadline. They could also pivot the night of the draft. But, like, these are all two-year deals, which means fast forward to draft night, you know, your Alec Burks's and your Nolan's Noel's and your, and your Derek Rose's of the world, all of these things become expiring deals. So if the Knicks wanted to open up the cap space to make a, you know – Something I know the what the rumor is is like uh, you know four for eighty for Brunson right um, they could do that and they have a bunch of second round picks they can they can you know if they need to pay a little premium to offload some of this money they could do that um, I just think it's going to be a very interesting situation because as you just said Cuban has no intention of letting this person go they could offer him a lot of money they could offer him the fifth year if they want to. I think it's just a matter of what is what does Jalen Brunson want, and is there a part of Jalen Brunson that may, you know, that may want to change the scenery? That's the part I can't speak to. I have no idea, and and maybe you guys would know better than me. Um, yeah, but, I, th- yeah. I think he kind of, you know, in a recent interview, I can't remember exactly who did it, but you know, he did say that being in a winning situation means more to him than just you know being the guy. You know, that, okay. that, 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 that takes, that, that's a lot to take into consideration too, because one of the, I think one of the main teams that has a lot of cap space this upcoming summer is like the Detroit Pistons, I think. So like, I, I don't think with, with Cade Cunningham there too, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that would make a lot of sense. I don't think he'd want to go from the situation the Mavs are in to the situation Detroit's in. So that's something to take into consideration. Uh, he's not the guy, but he is—he does have the much bigger role now. And like I said, he's arguably the Mavs' second best player. Uh, it, it just makes it so hard. E- even if the Mavs considered trading him now, his salary, which is you know expiring, it's one point eight million. It's just really, really hard to to, to do a trade and get back. Uh, the value that's that would be justifiable of trading him right now. It's really hard to do. And, you know, I, I've seen some people float out, and I've even written about it, you know, the uh, Mitchell Robinson and maybe the Mavs. Uh, 20, the 2023 pick, because, yeah, which is interesting, right? Because it allows them to make a whole bunch of other trades. 
exactly. if they have that pick back. Exactly. It, it would open up a whole lot, uh, a lot more doors if they're planning on doing a bigger trade past that. Now, if, if they're just doing it to get the pick and use the pick, I mean, the Mavs draft history is absolutely horrible. Like, <laughs> Jalen Brunson is one of the few picks. Him, Luca, and then uh, Josh Howard back in 2003, and then they traded to get Dirk. I mean, that's pretty much it for their entire history of the last two decades. So, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think he's going to stay put. I think they're going to sign him to an extension, and he's going to stay in Dallas, you know, at least for a couple more years until uh, my buddy Kirk Henderson over at Mavs Moneyball, he always says that, uh, you know, when, when the Mavs do have the ability to trade first-round picks again, it's going to be just in time for the oh crap, oh crap, uh, Luca, please stay trade <laughs> <laughs> that, that the Mavs will attempt at some point. So uh, I, I think they've got a good thing going right now, and they'll they'll keep him around. But uh, one Knicks player that I want to get your thoughts on, and he's also kind of been involved in a few trade rumors here and there, uh, is Kimba Walker because he had the buyout with. Uh, the Celtics signed with the Knicks for, I believe, two years, eighteen million. So he's making nine million a year. Um, About yeah. What What is the situation with him now? Because I know at one point this season, uh, Thibs he he wasn't even playing him, uh, and then now I've seen a little bit more of Kimba Walker here here lately. Like, is that just is that just like showcasing him for a potential trade, or is there any possible uh, way that you know? He could end up being on the buyout market again, or are they just going to try and stash him and maybe use him as an asset around draft time? Uh, well, well, a couple things. For one, he's definitely not going to be bought out. Uh, the Knicks uh, front office, maybe under the last front office, they would have considered doing that. The, the last front office uh, bought out Joakim Noah when he had uh, a full, essentially a full two years left on his deal, um, although they only had to stretch one year. Uh, this front office operates a little bit differently. Um, they, I don't think they believe in uh, sunk cost. They will, they will try to make use out of any asset. Um, you know, look no further than Kevin Knox, who was was just shipped to Atlanta in the the Cam Reddish deal. Um, so they're not going to buy him out. As far as uh, is Tibbs playing him for trade value? No, um, Tibbs. <laughs> You know, Tom Thibodeau's a he is a stubborn man, uh, for better and for worse. For better in that I think in large part his stubbornness is a, a big reason why the Knicks turned things around last year. Um, for worse because he plays you know, I I think this season he has been a little bit inflexible in terms in certain respects. In that, yes, as you said, he benched Kemba Walker and then brought him back into the rotation when he essentially had no choice. Um, and now, you know, we've had Kemba back for, you know, a couple, two, three weeks. He's not working really well with the starting five. He wasn't working with the starting five originally, which is why Tibbs benched him at first. And then he came back and he, he obviously won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Um, but, you know, Tibbs tried Alec Burks as the starting point guard, didn't really work out well. Uh, Derek Rose is still on the shelf. At this moment, Tibbs feels like Kemba Walker is his best option because I think he feels like, look, he's a point guard by trade. He knows how to run the he knows how to play the position. He knows how to run a team. 
is it working? No. Ask any Nick fan what it's like to watch this starting five, and they'll tell you, no, it's not working. But he's kind of, you know, again, he's stubborn. Um, he's also not playing him because he's trying to get him traded. And by the way, if he is playing him to try to get him traded, it's not really working because Kemba just went out and had his, I think it was his second scoreless game in his career when he played at least 17 minutes. Um, so like, it's just, it's not happening for Kemba right now. Tibbs is trying to win games. It hasn't worked a lot recently, although they beat the Kings last night. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Do I think that they will look to move him? Of course. Do I think they're going to get anything great for him? Um, I'd be very surprised. I think it would have to be a team who is a contending team who is because they're not. That's the other part. They're not going to pay an asset just to offload Kemba's contract. The next like next year's nine million dollars, at least not right now. They're not. Maybe they'll do that during the summer or on draft night or something. Um, but they're not going to pay an asset to offload the contract right now. And, you know, if anything, um, it'll be selling you know, essentially as a, as a net neutral asset to some team, um, you know, maybe for, I don't know, like a top 55 protected second round pick or something. Um, I just don't know who's the team out there who is signing up to, you know, not only get Kemba for this year, but pay him a little over $9 million next season because he just like the health question. And obviously his defense has always been a concern. Like those are real areas of concern. And, I, I just I don't know. I don't know who that team is. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I, when I think about the the possibility of Kemba Walker in Dallas, I don't envision the Mavs. You know, if something were to happen, I don't envision them giving up anything more than, like you said, maybe, <laughs> maybe a top fifty five protected second round pick, and they have a ten point nine million dollar trade exception they can use. So, you know, if 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 something happened there, I I figured that would kind of be uh, something to look at because. Uh, Kimba is definitely not the player he was when the Mavs pursued him in 2019 free agency. They, they, you know, they went out and offered him a, a max contract and he ended up choosing Boston instead of them. And, uh, they ended up dodging a big bullet there, you know, <laughs> looking back, but, uh, you know, the Mavs need another secondary playmaker off the bench. Uh, they need another point guard with Jalen Brunson going into the starting lineup. And especially with Tim Hardaway Jr. breaking his foot, uh, you know, because that. I mean, ha- I'll say this: I think Kemba could do that. I mean, the 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 hill that I've kind of been dying on for the last several weeks is move Kemba to the bench where he could have the ball in his hands, even if it's for only fifteen or so minutes a game. Move Emmanuel. We have a kid, Emmanuel, quickly, who's you know not really a point guard, but for that reason, actually, I think he would work better with with Barrett and and Randall. Um, and let Kemba go to the bench and let Kemba run the show. Tibbs has been resistant to do that. I think Kemba could thrive in that role, actually, um, because he, like you know, like you just intimated, he hasn't adjusted well this year to being a player that functions predominantly without the ball in his hands. The only thing, last thing I will say about Kemba is the Knicks seemingly refused to do, to to use him in a role and and co- shout out to my colleague uh Ben Ritholtz for pointing this out a lot recently his he prefers to be a pick and roll point guard that's his bread and butter and the Knicks don't really use him like that they have used him like that at times they haven't been doing it a lot recently and i think that's because they just are trying to get Julius Randle comfortable and get Julius Randle going and that's that's not how Julius Randle wants to play if you use him like that and you use him in a more limited role and you put the ball in his hands, maybe with the backups, I think that could actually work. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's something the Mavs would be interested in too, interested in too, if, you know, that's all they had to do is basically use their, their trade exception. And I'm sure there's some other options that they, they'll, they'll look around and, you know, try to use that trade exception for, uh, before that, especially if they think they can get Goran Dragic on a, on a buyout eventual buyout you know that seems to have been their their top option for the you know the secondary playmaker off the bench since the summer and it's just drug on and uh you know they haven't been able to acquire him yet but if that doesn't happen you know I could definitely see them turning turning towards uh you know a Kimball Walker type of trade uh, using that that trade exception because they it's just something they need they need and I know he hasn't been good for the Knicks this year but like you said Move him to the bench, give him less minutes, uh, let him kind of run the show. And I don't think he's shooting terribly from three this year. If I'm he's not, it's like thirty-seven percent. Yeah, he's not shooting. He's not shooting badly from three. He still gives you the off the dribble stuff behind the arc. Like he, like again, did he like? Was he the very best player in the Eastern Conference? He the the week he won that award? No, probably not. But he was damn good, and he he harkened back to the days of like the old Kemba Walker, um, you know. So and, and then of course, you know, if you've been paying attention, he played a couple more games, and then he was out for for two and a half weeks or three weeks with a knee injury. Because so it's like, 
you're inheriting a guy that is not only trying to adjust into maybe a slightly different role, but like, can he hold up? Can he hold up for, for four rounds of the playoffs? Like, can he hold up to the point that again, for a team like the Mavs that has very real financial concerns, if they want to try to keep all of these guys together, is he worth going out and spending $9 million on next year? I, I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Well, John, I appreciate you joining me tonight. And I do want to ask you one more thing before we head off here. Uh, so three years ago, and we just passed the three-year anniversary of the Christmas <laughs> trade. Yes, we did. <laughs> is it is it finally time to just put it to bed on, you know, the fan base is debating on who won? Because in all reality, neither team has won pretty much anything <laughs> since the trade I- happened. So I'm not sure anyone won the trade. <laughs> <laughs> um look I I'm we're going to I think the plan is to repost this on on my podcast feed so I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of people angry at me but um if they've been paying attention I I have I have never wavered from this point so I'll say it again I think the Knicks I think the Knicks won in it, not the trade but here's where I think the Knicks came out uh, for the better in is that they did not pay him the max contract that he was seeking because I don't believe he has shown that he is worthy of being a max player. I don't think he has shown that he's a guy who, if he's the best player on your team, your team is going to be very good. And obviously I think I saw Mark Stein tweeted out, uh, updated uh, um, tally today. He's missed, uh, what is it? 18 games this season. Uh, You know, the guy can't really stay on the floor. He's and he's always going to have those issues for for however long he plays. So, from the perspective of like, were the Knicks right to to look at Kristaps Porzingis and be like, this is not a guy that we should, you know, t- uh, tether our hopes to, you know, and, and hitch our wagon to for the for the next you know five years? I do think they were right. Where I have consistently blamed them, and I will not, I will never stop blaming them because I I believe in this is that they were wrong to prioritize dumping um, salary in that trade. And I, I don't know. I, I, I've gone through the exercise. I literally dozens of times because I'm a sick human being. I, I don't know what the, what the clearly better trade was out there that in, in which they were like, look, we don't care about getting off of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s money. Like we don't necessarily care about getting off the final year of Courtney Lee's deal. We just want to get the best return for this guy. I don't know what that trade was out there that was better, but I am hard pressed to believe that that you could not find a better return than Dennis Witt Jr. and a, a, a top ten protected pick and and a, a, a pick that you know, you knew was not going to be great and ended up being the 21st pick in the draft. That's always my criticism of it. I think they could have gotten a better return because, hey, like everybody else around the league has realized if a superstar wants to go to your team, they're going to find a way to your team and you'll figure out a way to move the money later. The only people who didn't realize that at the time were Scott Perry and Steve Mills who were like, oh, we have to clear cap space, you know, six months ahead of time. Like – 
That was yeah. exactly the case with Donnie Nelson too. <laughs> well, same. okay, so maybe maybe he didn't realize. Maybe the two of them. That's why they don't have jobs anymore. <laughs> same exact thing with Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson. You know, for for years, you know, pre-creating uh, or pre-planning for cap space. You know, they they kind of. Uh, some of the moves they made, like even the contract that Jalen Brunson is on right now, and instead of him being an unrestricted, I mean, a, a restricted, a restricted, yeah, he's going to be unrestricted because of how they set up that contract. And my my hunch is that they did that in preparation for Giannis twenty twenty one, and then you know that didn't happen. He ended up signing his max contract, and then going on to win a championship. And now Donnie Nelson isn't there, and it all just blew up in their faces. But you know, I, the thing with Porzingis is. Everyone knew he had injury issues going into it. But when they made the trade, it's like, what are you going to do, not give him the contract now? Oh, they had to. They had to. But the thing that's been most disappointing to me is when he's healthy, like he's he's playing pretty good. I mean, he's – Oh, yeah. But it's the fit with Luka that's been disappointing to me. Like they've had their moments. There's been a couple of flashes. But – just just from my viewing, I, it feels like it's still kind of an awkward fit. Like it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect fit for two players like that. Like like we envision, you know, people were thinking, oh, well, maybe this will be the the second coming of Nash and Dirk or something like that when it first happened. Well, I mean, it, it's obviously different players, so that was that was kind of dumb to say from the beginning. But you know, there there there's not that that true consistent synergy between them and they, they're fine with each other as, as people, you know, squashed on any kind of beef that they might've had last year. And that's not an issue, but it just doesn't seem like he's the ideal player to have as a number two next to Luca. So that, that's what's been as disappointing for me. And, uh, well, you know, but I think, I think that's because he sees himself as the number one. And I think he got a taste of being, the toast of the town here in New York. And I think he loved it. I think he really loved it. And I think he probably figured, I I don't, I think at at a certain point he just wanted to get out of New York so badly because things were, I mean, the organization was in such a wretched place at that time um, that he just was like, I I, want to leave. And I, I don't necessarily blame him for that, but I don't know. Did he not think through Joining Luca, did he think it was going to be more like a one A one B as far in ter- instead of like a a one and like a you know a two B <laughs> or something? I you know I, I don't know. Um, and that's, but, probably, and that's yeah. probably right because I mean you could definitely see the difference in KP's morale this year when you know you went from Rick Carlisle basically just sticking him in the corner for the playoff series against the Clippers. And then this season, Jason Kidd, he's been a little bit more deliberate about getting KP his touches in the paint. And, you know, he's made a point to make KP more involved. And I think that's one of the bigger reasons uh, for him, you know, having a better mood this year. But, you know, the Mavs offense has suffered too. And I'm not saying that's all all on that uh, specifically, but I think it does play a little bit of a role in it. So, I don't know. I think – you know, with the way Jalen Brunson has progressed for this team, I, I feel like that's where their focus needs to be for the immediate future. I think they need to look at, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. Tra- as good as- Tim Hardaway Jr. was viewed as an albatross contract when the Mavs traded for Porzingis and took him on. And he shot f- like 
almost forty percent the last two years before this year. So, well, he wasn't healthy when they when they traded him. That's that's the other part of it that I hated. I mean, and again, I, I should be very honest. I was like on board with the trade at the time because, like everybody else in New York, I was like, oh great, we're getting KD. Um, but like they traded Tim Hardaway Jr. when he when he was not fully healthy, and like that's not a necessarily a smart thing to do. You should trade when a guy's value is at his highest, not when it's at his lowest. But regardless, and I mean, I know people, I I know it's wishful thinking of me to think that our our respective fan bases will, (laughs) will will put it away until, and it probably won't go away until that last pick conveys in 2023. But, you know, until one of these teams, you know, wins something, I just, I just don't think, there's going to be a clear winner. And to be, I mean, to be honest, I guess if we're being technical about it, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything left other than, than that pick, I guess Grimes, would you, would you? Well, so yeah. So the, so the, the 21st pick they traded down and, and they got Grimes and they also picked up a, uh, I think it's a, tw- God, I think it's a 2024 Detroit second rounder. Um, so you know, and then, you know, they, I mean, look, this is like eye of the beholder type of stuff. There are some people that consider Emmanuel quickly to be part of the Kristaps Porzingis trade because they got the pick that was used to, to – to, well, actually, they traded down and then back up to get the quickly pick, but that's neither here nor there. But, like, that pick was from the Clippers, who they traded Marcus Morris to. And, like, they signed Marcus Morris – with the cap space that they, that they made, but, but like that was only there because like the, the Spurs like screwed up his contract and like he, he went back out onto the market. So it's like, you could do this a hundred different ways and like talk about like, Oh, what was the actual return at the end of the day? This is going to be judged exactly how you said it. When one of these, when when one of these teams wins something like that's, that's when it'll be judged. I forgot who it was, but I know somebody on Nick's Twitter Made like a full blown. I know. Card. I know. I that see was it. the funniest thing <laughs> I have ever seen in my life, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, but it, but but it's open to interpretation. It's like right. you know, you know, you're 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 assuming that like again the Morris thing, right? Like you know, or or you know, people are like, well, if 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 they didn't trade Kristaps Porzingis, then they wouldn't have gotten Julius Randle. And like, yes, they that may be the case. Like. I wonder how people are feeling about that now. Like they've, they've now signed Julius Randle to a, a four-year extension that maybe they're not feeling so good about. Um, I don't know. Look, I I, uh, I will just say personally, I don't miss Kristaps Porzingis. Um, it was definitely tough to watch him in a different uniform at first because uh, anytime he did anything good, I was like, you know, that should have been our guy. But I don't think he was right for the organization – at that time, I think they needed a reset. I think they're better off having pushed the reset button. And um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying I, I don't think the Mavs are like definitely not going to win at all with Luca and KP as like their top two guys. I think it's possible. I think uh, that, but that's because I think Luca's incredible, not because I think KP is like anything special. Right, right, and yeah, we'll see how it goes this year, KP. I think most of the stuff with him, aside from this recent, uh, what they're calling a, a bone bruise in his knee, 
Uh, I think most of it has been just caution on the Mavs end because, I mean, they just they, – they really just don't want another situation where you get to the postseason and, you know, end up losing him to something – uh, because he ended up playing a bunch of back-to-backs or something like that. So I think it's mostly caution, and uh, we'll see if the Mavs can finally get past the first round for the first time in uh, over a decade. It's, they haven't won a first-round series since the championship year in 2011. And, it, you know, right now it's looking like it's going to be a relatively uh, snooze-fest kind of trade deadline for the Mavs and Knicks, but, hey, who knows? This is the NBA. You know, stuff stuff can happen very quickly on a day-to-day basis, so we'll see how it goes. But, John, I appreciate it, man. I, I've already kept you a little bit longer than, than what I planned for, but I do appreciate it. No, it's you. all good, man. I do appreciate you coming on and uh, talking Mavs Knicks with me. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Uh, it's It was fun. Um, you know, I, I hope uh, the trade deadline is a little bit more exciting than we – we made it out that it's probably going to be, but, uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> You're, you, you definitely don't. Anything can happen in this league. But, uh, John, again, I appreciate it. And, guys, uh, be sure to go uh, follow Nick's Film School on Twitter and go give them a sub uh, if you want to keep up with the Knicks. They're, they're some of the best out there doing it. Uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the Mavs Step Back Podcast as well. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trig. Uh, you can follow John at. Hold on, just. It's uh, I got it. It's it's at JC Macri NBA. Very easy. There you go. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, y'all have a great rest of your evening, and we'll see you next time.